Welcome to Mob Talk with Talia and Chris. Welcome back, everyone. This week on Mob Talk, we have Lena Charles from Clothing the Gap. I'm Talia Little, proud Arunta woman from Central Australia, and I'm with my brother boy, Chris Patton. What's up, you mob? Chris Patton here, proud Palawa man, ready for another episode of Mob Talk. Uh, before we get started today, we'd like to acknowledge... We would like to acknowledge the grounds that we gather across today. Currently, I'm sitting on Bunurong land with my sister girl, Talia, and we'd like to pay our respects to elders past, present, future emerging leaders, and just acknowledge our elders' connection to country. Thanks, Chris. Welcome to Mob Talk, Lena. Thanks for having me. No problem. Thanks for coming on. We're super stoked to have um, yourself from Clothing the Gap. I know I've been following you guys for a bit on Instagram and just over the past probably year, I've seen you guys evolve from a small brand and really just kick off into this huge Aboriginal brand promoting social change. So it's really awesome to see. Oh, thank you. Yeah, I guess, um, you know, uh, looking at the team, we didn't quite know that we'd be here where we are now, but here we are. Yeah, awesome. So you're head of impact for Clothing the Gap, yes? Can you just explain a bit about what that is? Yeah, so um, as head of impact, I look after um, kind of the impact pieces that come out of Clothing the Gap. So um, I'm very passionate about Uh, health promotion in Aboriginal communities so I love delivering um, different programs and um, stuff like that so that's how I've been part of Clothing the Gap but now looking um, particularly at the virtual runs and the impact that that's had in Aboriginal communities is my little baby at the moment. Oh that's awesome so Clothing the Gap does clothing you do other programs can you explain a bit about the programs that you do? Yeah, so yeah, we're not just a clothing brand. So like um, we've all got a um, qualification in health promotion and we're health promotion experts and very passionate about that space as well. So um, we deliver a range of um, different health programs in communities. Um, So we've had like a women's program, a youth program and a whole community program. And then we also on top of that, um, we have a range of campaigns and then also um, use clothing as a tool to promote um, conversation starters about Aboriginal culture. Yeah, for sure. That's a really positive thing as well because as Aboriginal people, you know, we're we're pretty tired of having these conversations. So through fashion, I guess you're promoting that social change and starting conversation uh, amongst a wider community. Like we, as me and Chris have seen recently, um, heaps of AFL teams wearing your free the flag tops. Yeah, and I think what the power in fashion does too is it allows, um, you know, we invite non-Aboriginal people to wear our brand as well and that way um, they can have those conversations too and then there's representation of Aboriginal people in spaces that might not necessarily have Aboriginal people in it and then those conversations are happening in those spaces and, you know, it takes the um, you know, the cultural exhaustion of Aboriginal people all the time having mm. to, you know, justifying you know um because that can be quite exhausting and like culturally draining like doing that all the time so I think fashion works really well in that respect as well oh for sure and your Instagram page is pretty trendy pretty relevant which is good because it hits a lot of targets and it's it's really good on the market I'd say as a young aboriginal person I look at it and I'm like oh this clothing brand's sick me and Chris were talking about the other day getting some bucket hats we were like oh which color do we want to get because they look sick maybe we should get matching 
Maybe we should get yeah. Well, I kind of want both. Maybe you should just get one of each. Yeah, I want both. I want both. I want, yeah. I want both from different for different occasions. Yeah, I often go on there and there's something sold out, and I'm like, oh crap, should have bought that. <laughs> yeah, you got to be quick. Yeah, no, um, Sienna Catullo, who's um, head of brand and marketing. You know, she works really hard in um, you know making our Instagram look the way it does, and she's um, you know done a really good job. You know, I don't touch the Instagram because she's got. She's got a vibe and a look and I, it obviously works if you guys are wanting to buy bucket hats and all that stuff and, yeah, yeah. things are selling out. So you can really see that. You can yeah. really see that um, specific brand development and management, I guess, to steer it in a way that is super relevant and I guess that's what a lot of um, – I, I don't want to be negative on the subject but, I mean, a lot of clothing brands, especially Aboriginal clothing brands, sometimes can be quite um, – before the time like before now whereas we kind of got to kind of start thinking how can we have these conversations that are relevant to young people or relevant to people now that you know we're gonna we're gonna listen to and fashion is huge at the moment with Instagram and stuff like that so it's really awesome that Clothing the Gap's doing that. Yeah no it's definitely I, I'm not the fashion guru in the team but it's really like it's really interesting so like when we started um before we were closing the gap and we were more around Spark Health and that um, uh, Laura, our boss, was designing um, merch and it was very out there kind of stuff and you can tell it ours, it's become a bit more simpler and all that and I think, you know, and then that kind of speaks to a larger audience um, and stuff. So it's, yeah, definitely progressed a lot in the way that we think about fashion and who wants to, um, you know, have the have the products and feel comfortable wearing our products and stuff like that. So it's, yeah, definitely been a huge journey in um, figuring out what fashion kind of look that we want to set. And yeah. Yeah, I was down at the beach um, just the other day and I saw at, at, at Elwood Beach, so you wouldn't really sort of expect, well, previously you wouldn't sort of expect to see clothing the Gap merch being worn down there, but um, there, was a, there was a couple of people with uh, the Free the Flag um, uh bags tote bags tote bags mm. um can you talk a little bit about the slogan free the uh free the flag kind of the the, the background of that and um why that's so, such a huge thing right now yeah so um free the flag speaks to um the copyright issues that kind of sit with the flag at the moment and the access that aboriginal people have to the flag so that kind of that started in um free the flag is a campaign that we started and it started in june um last year so we were making products with the flag on it because you know we we as aboriginal people love our flag and we'd made a um we'd made a hoodie and we'd put um we'd put the flag on it and then three days later we'd got it oh not three days later i think within 24 hours we'd got a um cease and desist letter from Wham Clothing, which is a non-Aboriginal organisation um, that holds the licensing to the flag and said that we had three business days to stop selling um, any products with the Aboriginal flag on it. So um, it's been a big journey from then. So we've had to learn a lot about, you know, the flag means so much to Aboriginal people, but we had to stop and actually um, learn about, well, what is copyright? Who has the copyright of the flag? What, who has the licensing to the flag? What does that mean? So had to kind of, um, you know, educate ourselves in that and then start a campaign around it. So currently um, the flag is copyrighted to the designer, Harold Thomas. Um, so he's held the copyright since 1997. And so he's licensed that to three organisations. Um, they're all non-Aboriginal 
organisations and I guess um, one of them, Wham Clothing, has been practising their licensing rights, so saying that you have to pay and seek permission to use the Aboriginal flag. So um, it's been a massive, um, massive, massive journey um, learning about that and trying to free the flag and what does that look like and we're still navigating that at the moment. But, um, you know, once we got the cease and desist, we we knew that was wrong and, you know, we weren't the first people to get a cease and desist. So there was people like the AFL and the NRL and, you know, at the time, well, we're still a small business, but we were really, really small back then. We were like, how can we use our voice and use our platform to elevate this issue? So, yeah, it's been a crazy journey since then. But, yeah, um, you know, just, I guess, being really lucky that we are in business and able to make those decisions and, you know, be able to take on... Um, the campaign and evolve that has been really challenging but also really rewarding so i'm wearing i'm wearing an aboriginal flag t-shirt right now i'm not sure if it's from wham or one of those two other organizations that have the have the have the copyright agreements but are there are there companies out there that are still producing i, f- I kind of feel like this is an, a, an illegal t-shirt right now i don't i don't know if it was through one where'd of these. you get it from uh just online i forget i forget the i forget the company but um i I have a feeling that it was kind of um, not through one of these three. Yeah, so I guess um, if you see like products with the flag on them, there's a chance that maybe, um, you know, they've paid Wham Clothing, whether it's they've paid Wham Clothing and seeked permission themselves or the manufacturer has. So um, often some people have like, you know, as Aboriginal people and when it comes to carnival time, we love making uniforms. And what's the one thing we love putting on our uniform is the flag. For sure. And you'll go to, yeah, you'll go to a manufacturer and you'll be like, hey, this is my design. And they might turn around and say, well, you've got the flag and Wham's told us that you have to pay this. So sometimes it comes through the manufacturer as well. So um, yeah, so- uh, it's interesting. Yeah. Yeah. So, what is Wham Clothing like? What do they pr- produce? Are they a um, a cheap a cheap brand kind of thing, or what is it? What do they look like? Um, so they're called Wham Clothing. So they're a non-Aboriginal um, business that yeah essentially makes clothes with the flag on it, and they can do that because they've got the licensing right from Harold Thomas. So um, and then yeah they can exercise their right to um, you know send out cease and desist letters to people that have the flag on their products or um, digitally produced as well. So you're not even allowed to have a flag on your email signature. What? That's terrible. Do you know how much he sold the copyrights for? Is that how you'd say it? Um, I'm, I'm not sure what the exact costs were that, um, you know, they bought the licensing rights. Um, I've heard it's not a lot of money, so but I can't clarify if that's true or not. But, you know, Harold's um, had this relationship with Wham Clothing. Nobody's really sure what his um, reasonings are for because it just doesn't really make sense to anyone. Um, but, yeah, why he's gone with Wham and continued um, after all this saga is, yeah, nobody really knows. And it's really sad because Harold hasn't really had a voice in this. Like, um, he's kind of kept really quiet on the situation. So He's actually from my mom. Yeah. Because he's Lurcher. Yeah, I think he lives in Humpty Doo. Oh, I used to live there when I was uh, younger. <laughs> um, but yeah, he's a literature man, and my uncle John knows him 
Yeah, I wonder how he's living. I saw, I saw um, the, that he sold it for twenty thousand plus royalties, twenty thousand dollars plus royalties. I was like, that seems pretty. That seems kind of on the lighter side when you think about how many, you know, how much merchandise you could sell, or if they're the, if you if if they're the main company selling the selling selling clothing with the flag. I was kind of like, oh, I wonder how much those royalties are. But I wonder how old Harold's going up there now with those um with those lump sum payments and royalties. He might be, he might be uh, living a bit little little bit little bit more of the high life. Well, yeah, nobody knows. Well, the thing is, like, as well, obviously it'd be the best choice and the best decision in terms of Aboriginal people to have this flag as ours because it unites us and it shows our strength and, and all of that. But you've got to think to see, I wonder what his side actually is. Mm. Like, I wonder if he was just struggling and, and this opportunity came up and he sold it not really realising and then, you know, didn't realise the, the kind of damage in a sense that had mm. come with that or, you know, it's because a lot of – it's obviously – not a good thing, but I just it just makes me wonder. I wonder what he's actually thinking in this point in time. Like he created the the artwork, but I wonder. You, do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like yeah. yeah, no, absolutely. And I think you know there is this like real vulnerability and you know fear that you know this non-Aboriginal organisation's actually you know taking advantage of a um, Aboriginal elder, and you know we don't know what situation Harold's in or why, and that's what I mean. He hasn't had a voice and. It's really hard to understand and the reasonings behind it, but it could be anything. And if you look at Wham's um, history, it's not a great one. So you, you just assume immediately that they just don't have good intentions for Aboriginal people and mm. stuff like that. So you can't help but think that um, their reasonings um, to do that like can't be any good for Harold. But we just because we we haven't heard from him like ourselves we just don't know for sure and you don't know what the contract is like you don't know if there's something that he can't say or do so it's really mm. oh it's just it's a really tough one isn't it so what is that because you we were, we were talking about we were trying to get aboriginal flags a few weeks ago me and talia or talia was asking me about trying to get some aboriginal flags so where, whereabouts does the, <coughs> excuse me whereabouts does the aboriginal flag sit in this conversation is that is that is that right in there with they've got the rights to that as well if, even if it's just um, the flag? as in like an actual flag yeah, yeah. Like if you want to yeah. So um, that doesn't. That's not quite with Wham. So there's three. There's three licenses of the flag. Wham clothing being one, which is the flag on um, on clothing products or like email signatures or digital um, prints of it. And then there's Giftsmate, who is also Wham clothing. This is where it gets a bit convoluted. So Giftsmate, which is like the reproduction of flags on souvenirs, so like pins and stuff like that. Or there's, and then the third one is Flag World, um, Harold and Richardson's Flag World, where you would buy any um, national flag. Um, they don't really um, send out, they don't send out cease and desist letters or anything. So you can order a flag from there. But what you will notice that if you go to buy the Aboriginal flag, it costs more than other flags on the website. So you'll pay more for the Aboriginal flag. And that's due to the licensing agreement that they have with Harold Thomas. Wow, that's pretty crazy. That's not, yeah, that's not cool. Isn't it, isn't it crazy to think that we can't even get our own flag? Yeah. I was trying to search for one to put out my fence for NAIDOC week and I could not find it anywhere. I had to contact a mo- multiple amount of people and I couldn't even get one. It's just insane. Yeah, no, it's crazy. And, you, you know, you think back to like we obviously really want to free the flag and we think the reason why you don't see, so like, you know, it comes like Australia Day, which obviously has a lot of um, history around like how Aboriginal people feel about that day, but you know, you go into like the supermarket and you can get buntings and cups and plates in the Australian flag, but you don't see the Aboriginal flag. And I feel like 
that has to do with the licensing and all that. And like, imagine if the flag was free and you could actually go and celebrate Survival Day, the, like in full form, because you we will have access to the flag and who we can purchase flag products from. So it's really limiting and it's really sad. And it, that's why we say pride, not profit, because like, um, you know, people are obviously profiting off our culture and our pride. Immensely. So, yeah, that's really interesting to think about it like that. Um, oh, I, I feel... Lena, I feel like it's only a certain amount of time before the flag does get free. I just think that this is the in 2020 and, and beyond that it's just too it just doesn't make sense. What how do you sort of where do you see this going in the next few years? I mean like, you know, I, I like I we've we've wanted an ab- Aboriginal flag emoji for ages, you know. It's cool using the love hearts and the and the and the different ways to put it together, but I feel like it's only a certain amount of time before the fra- flag is free. Like what do you, where do you, where do you see this going over the next few years? Uh. Absolutely. Well, you know, the flag turns 50 next year. So I and like, you know, um, the team at work ideally would love it freed for its 50th birthday. So, you know, like we've been having conversations with Parliament and, um, you know, we had a Senate inquiry and stuff and trying to, you know, discuss um, ways around what what does a free flag look like and how do we get there? And I don't really have the answers, to be honest, because it's such it's been such a hard time getting to where we have even just, you know, um, having a Senate inquiry but you know there's been discussions around whether you know the government should purchase the flag and give it back to the people but then you know you look at um, Aboriginal history with um, the relationship with government and is that the most trusted relationship we've ever had and the answer is no so is that is that a suitable um, suitable way to go about it but then what other ways can we possibly do it and you know we're not entirely sure um, and we're still you know really working with lots and lots of people um, to try and free it. You know, we've had some really awesome lawyers come on board to try and um, solve it. But ideally, we'd I'd love it freed by next year. If it happens or not, I'm not sure. And I'm, I guess, like, um, the rest of Like, you know, you have different conversations with different mob and people feel different about the flag now. I, like, you know, I know that if I see... Um, if I see someone wearing a flag shirt, the first thing I think about is, ooh, like, is that a Wham shirt or is it, like... You know, and I shouldn't have to think yeah, about my yeah. flag like that. So a lot of people have actually, a lot. some people have suggested designing a new flag as the solution. And I don't, I like, it's hard. I feel, you know, you look at people who already have the flag tattooed on them. We bury our loved ones in the flag. And it's like so hard to let yeah. go. So it's really torn. A lot of people are really divided on how we should free it and what that actually looks like. I think it's always going to be the one thing that unites and, um, displays our identity for me it was when I was younger going to uh, a NADOG day or whatever it was and I'd have the tattoo on my face you know tattoo on your arm tattoo on your face like the little um what are they temporary tattoos and stuff like that it's always been something I've identified you know our ancestors not our ancestors but our our grandmothers and our grandfathers and ev- all of that and the one question I pose is why can't we buy it privately? Like surely there has to be some really wealthy non-Aboriginal people. You know, there's not a lot of super wealthy Aboriginal people, but there would be some. Like is that is that a um, way we can look at going, buying it privately, doing a partnership? Like do you know what I mean? Like if the government's yeah. not going to take on that responsibility, then we as a nation, we as our own people need to kind of – not need to, but – maybe it's something we need to look at. I don't know how those things kind of work, but, you know, it's, it's yeah. interesting to think like that because there are some loaded people in this country. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Like, 
yeah it's just interesting yeah, no absolutely I think that's been something that also has been thrown around the idea of us taking back the flag and um you know fundraising for the flag and buying it back for the people and you know you look back at history and ATSIC used to own the flag and I feel like you know that's also been a um conversation whether like a something like a community controlled national organization actually holds the flag and you know that all these things have been discussed it's just how do we move motions to make these things happen and you know it comes back to like the power of the people and you know just continuing to do the work that we do and trying to make change and it's just small steps but hopefully we get there like you know you saw the small step with the AFL taking a stand which is something we never would have guessed would have happened a year ago how did that that come about sorry Talia how did that come about Collingwood because Collingwood was the first one to wear it weren't they and so so they reached out to you guys I'm assuming um, we kind of just, we kind of reached out to anyone that we knew had a season desist and had been hit by Wham and, you know, we were just trying to crack our way into, we just knew it took one AFL club to just please make a stand with us, and, you know, know, um, you know, know what's right. And when you look at the Aboriginal representation of football players, we knew that AFL surely had to um, make a stand and it just took one and Collingwood was the first one to raise their hands, which was really awesome to see and then it was just this kind of dominoes effect and it was like a chaotic week that week and we had to try and um, produce free the flag shirts for the whole um all the clubs and you know getting like them all up to darwin and stuff but it just i just try like never giving up and just you know working within your contacts and really pushing your messages and just getting into that one football club just made a huge domino effect so it was so powerful to see, especially as an Aboriginal person for a wider audience to actually go, wait, because there's so many people who actually don't know about the Free the Flag campaign kind of thing. And yeah. it was just awesome to see footy clubs supporting. It's it's a footy club, but it's a huge – AFL is broadcasted over the whole Australia. So just for the wider audience to see that the AFL kind of has our support, it's awesome. Yeah, no, it was definitely, it was a special moment, especially like, you know, when you saw Eddie Betts put the shirt on and stuff like that. And, you know, you know, working from my position where it's, you know, it's come from my workplace, like the the whole thing just seemed way bigger than me. It was very overwhelming, um, but very humbling to see that. And it's, yeah, definitely holds a special place in what we've done with the flag. So how many people work at Closing the Gap? So um, I think a lot of people assume we're like a really, um, really big business. But so we've got four full-time workers. Um, we're all women. Um, and then we've got got a trainee that's just come on board. And then we've got um, a couple of people that hang out and pack and pick and pack in our warehouse. But we've just um, advertised for some casual roles. So we're hoping to get some more people in because we're about to open a shop, which is really oh, exciting. Deadly. Yeah. In, up in so, Northern yeah. Victoria, like Preston, Brunswick kind of area? No, we were situated in Preston, but we're about to the space. Um, so we've just got a new um, place on Sydney Road in Brunswick, which is like pretty trendy, kind of cool oh, place. I love that. I used to love that. Yeah, I used to live there. It's a cool place. Cool little yeah, area. Yeah, you, know you know where the Salvos is? Like the yeah. op shop on the huge Road. one? Yeah. yeah, right <gasps> to that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. We'll have to come visit. For When's sure. the opening yeah. time? Like, well, like, we're just we're just doing some renovations and stuff right now to get it all happening. But hopefully, um, in the early new year, we'll have a shop front and yeah, which will be interesting. Oh and um, yeah, it's, it's definitely been an exciting time. I guess you know, um, me and the girls 
never assumed that this is where we'd be at like a year later. Yeah, what a life. credit to you guys that you guys are now opening a shop. I know, I know um, you guys are sold out, sold out a lot of the merch and I'm starting to see more of the merch around and, and, the, and the word is literally getting out there and people are starting to ask these questions. You know, non-Indigenous people are starting to, you know, like you, like you were saying before, it's, it, it opens these conversations for that Aboriginal people don't necessarily always have to have. But what a, what a testimony to you, testament, sorry, to you guys that um, it's grown to that because uh, the, the, sh- the, the, the clothing online is great. But um, to, to be able to go into the store and be able to pick, pick and choose and try the stuff on would just be so, so cool. Yeah, no, it's definitely exciting and, you know, we're also going to, like, be able to showcase other Aboriginal brands as well in our shop, which will be another opportunity as well. So we're looking forward to it. I've never worked in retail. I don't think I'll have much to do in that space. It'll be interesting to work above the shop and, you know, really see the brand come to life. Yeah, for sure. And you've got something like 90,200 followers or something like that on Instagram. Yeah. Like, yeah, so when um free the before free the flag um started, we had under ten thousand um followers, and I remember yeah we were so t- we were teeny tiny, and um I remember we were so excited when we got ten thousand because that meant we got a swipe up feature, and that just seemed like such a huge deal. And you know, looking at kind of the work we've done behind the branding of Instagram, and you know, like I don't want to speak too much about technology because there's goods and like pros and stuff about it, and then there's cons, but you know, the power in people and social media has played a big part in getting our message out there. Yeah, now that we've got 90,000 followers, it's, yeah. Huge. Yeah, that's unreal. Yeah. So really with you guys, um, super rapid growth. I know Laura Thompson um, has has been huge out there on, on TV and she speaks really well. She's a great representative for our people. Um, you obviously work really closely with Laura. Can you tell, uh, I haven't met her, but um, from everything I read and see, she seems like an amazing person and um, a great advocate. And um, Can you just talk a little bit about Laura and like, like, you know, her passion and how she started and, you know, it's how it's kind of, yeah, she's, yeah, no, um, Laws is fantastic to work with and I feel very privileged that um, I get to work with her. And, um, yeah, you know, I think when you watch her speak, you can just hear her um, passion. She just executes that really well. And I think, you know, Laws has a, um, you know, she has a background in Aboriginal health and, you know, she's been in that space for a really long time. And just some of the work that she's done, just putting um, the community out there and, you know, getting them involved in healthy lifestyles has been Um, amazing so she used to work at the Aboriginal Health Service and she did a lot of community work there and I guess that's how she kind of went into business because you know um, she was kind of you know when you work for um, you know government organizations and stuff like that you you're restricted to the funding and stuff so she knew what worked in the community and stuff like that but was always restricted to guidelines and that's how she kind of went into business because she was so passionate about changing um you know aboriginal people's lives um through health and she knew you know if she could just fund them herself then you know she could do the work that she wants to do and how she wants to do it and that's kind of how you know we started off as spark health because you know we're all um, passionate about health and that and we had clothing as kind of just the incentive to get people to come to our health programs but then it became so much more and you know like at the end of the day um health is still where we want to like change people's lives as well. So Laura's just, um, I, there's like no words to describe her. Like she's just an awesome person to work with. Her um, creativity is something that is really hard to come by. The way that she 
not just creative in the clothes that she designs or the earrings she makes, but um, the creativity that she has in designing programs and stuff like that is just, yeah, really, really um, awesome. And I think, you know, anyone that's come by Laura can definitely agree. That's awesome. That's awesome to hear that you guys have such a strong leader for Clothing the Gap. And the this is how I kind of came across Clothing the Gap. I was looking on Instagram and I was like, oh, well, Clothing the Gap. And I thought, oh, is, is that like a word play on Closing, closing the, gap. the Gap? And it's awesome to see you guys kind of in, like draw that inspiration from cl- Closing the Gap because, you know, Closing the Gap is – a health um, health initiative and obviously you guys are big on health spark health and changing that into clothing the gap I think that was a really powerful play on words yeah um Laura's really proud that she came up with that uh, I think because what happened was um you know Laura was out doing a market or something selling some um products and they she'd had a non-aboriginal person approach her and say um am I allowed to wear products with the flag on her am I allowed to wear your stuff and she was like absolutely um because that's closing the gap and then like she had this like light bulb moment she's like oh my gosh closing the gap she's like you close the gap and we'll close it so yeah. it's just kind of evolved from there and yeah <laughs> we really love our name as well <laughs> yeah it's such a cool name and um I was watching an interview with I think it might be Sienna who's the is she the brand manager She's the head of brand and marketing. Yeah. Brand and marketing and Laura. Um, and I was watching a little interview and they were talking about how it was all the clothes were made and produced on Wurundjeri country. Yeah. yeah. That, that, so, isn't that super awesome? Yeah, no, it's something that we are really proud about as well. And, you know, um, using like local manufacturers in Wurundjeri country and just knowing that all our products kind of come within that little square radius on Wurundjeri country is really special as well and something that, you know, we want to, you know, we take pride in sustainability as well. So that's something that we really want to bring to the forefront of our clothing brand as well. So what's next for Clothing the Gap? Like, do you guys plan a year and ahead or six months or two years or? (laughs) We kind of, we're really spontaneous as a business. I think we kind of like, you know, um, you know, we don't go, but we don't follow rules very well and stuff like that. So we don't really, we don't really have a plan. We kind of just go with the flow, but, you know, we have got some big things um, in the works um, at Closing the Gap and, you know, we're obviously getting bigger. So, you know, figuring out, um, you know, what our impact piece is and what the impact on, like, you know, we're in the business of um, adding years to Aboriginal people's lives and figuring out what the next chapter of that looks like on a um, bigger scale now that we're, um, you know, we're, growing and stuff so I think stay tuned we've got some things planned but um yeah we have a plan but then sometimes we don't go to plan because you know we're good at breaking rules or not sticking to them and we're quite spontaneous in that respect what can what can our mob do to get behind the free the flag clothing the gap I mean obviously everybody wants the merch that's 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 easy is there anything more that we can do as a community petitions get behind bring just raise more awareness in general do we all start just emailing the, these these politicians you know <laughs> I don't know yeah no we've um we've got a few ways that you can get involved in things like um free the flag um if you just head to our website so clothingthegap.com um we've got six ways that you can get on board of the campaign but I guess the biggest one for us is just having those conversations is really important like you said earlier like it surprises me sometimes people still don't know about the flag issue because I'm so embedded in it every single day I just assume everyone knows when I'm like free the flag what does that mean but you'll still come across people that don't know what that is and it's important 
to have those conversations. And if you're not comfortable having those conversations yet, that's okay. We've got resources online that kind of help, you know, um, you know, loads of information on the Aboriginal flag and then the Free the Flag campaign so people feel comfortable having those conversations. And they're not easy conversations to have. So, you know, just that, I think that plays an integral part in bringing awareness to the campaign is just having conversations all the time about it. Yeah, for sure. I've got a question. So obviously you probably know about all of the stuff going up onto Jabberon country with the birthing trees and the sacred sites. Have you guys thought of maybe having an initiative to bring awareness to that? Because that's not on main media. You know, there's no news presence there. Many people don't know about it. The, most people that I know just found out about it through when the tree got cut down, the directions tree got cut down and then that was on Instagram for two days, you know? Like, have you guys thought of any ways to kind of bring awareness to that or is that not something you guys are looking towards or...? Oh, no, it's definitely elevating Aboriginal voices as well. So um, whilst we can't fight and campaign for everything, it's really important that we give other Aboriginal people a platform and a voice to do that. So when the Jafarong trees, um, when that all happened, you know, we elevated that we um you know we shared that on our socials knowing that we've got 90,000 followers and stuff like that so always elevating aboriginal voices is one of our um, biggest priorities as well and so whilst we can't do the heavy lifting for every single um cause that because we're passionate about all all those things as well we still give a place and a platform to elevate those voices when we can and help out in those ways as well yeah and for yeah yeah i completely understand um what you're saying there because when you've got the reason you guys have been so successful with free the flag the movement campaign is because you guys have been focused on free the flag campaign do you know what I mean rather than taking on 50 different um 50 different assignments as such you focused on that one campaign and that's really thrived and you can see that yeah and I think too like at the end of the day like we're not experts in the flag but there's other people that are experts in um, the Jafarong embassy and, you know, what needs to happen for that. So, like, us having a voice in that space might not be necessarily the right voice, but if we elevate the right voices, then we can still get action out of it and just knowing who those people are and elevating them. And, you know, we've tried to do that um, whenever possible. Yeah, for sure. How do Clothing the Gap plan to stay relevant? Stay relevant. I think you know um, that's an interesting question. I feel like I feel like you, know, you guys are just about locked in now. Mm. <laughs> yeah, I think we're to stay relevant. I think we try and keep up with what's going on in the world and you know um, what's relevant today. And I think you know that's where Sienna comes in handy because she's up to scratch with all that stuff. Um, and she's able to um, transform the brand pretty easily. So I think that's how we plan to stay relevant. And then obviously staying true and relevant to what's happening in Aboriginal communities and you know, staying relevant to the importance of Aboriginal health like every single day is also um, how we plan to stay relevant because we are evolving and will evolve with culture and will evolve with what's happening. And you know, to become, it's important we become and stay super re- um, relatable to people. Yeah, do you think you guys will plan to do any um, health programs out in remote communities? Um, yeah, maybe. Like, I think the way that we're doing um, health promotion now has been a bit different to, you know, we do a lot of face-to-face stuff in communities in Victoria. But, you know, we've just, because of COVID, we've been able to go online. And I think that's shown that we've had a reach 
to um, Aboriginal communities that we never would have been able to, so different states and that. And I think, you know, trying to create impact in remote communities is something that we definitely would explore, especially with our virtual runs and our running series. There's no reason why we can't reach um, like remote communities and make an impact in that space. Yeah, so obviously health health promotion is massive for you guys and um, we've seen that you're doing a cert for in group fitness at the moment. So I'm just going to make an assumption here and and think that your that your goals are something along the lines of of promoting that physical exercise, running group sessions with mob community um, programs along those lines. Do you want to just chat about like that that group cert you're doing at the moment and your your kind of background in, in the health? Yeah, so well, I I come from I've got a master's in public health, but yeah, I am doing my um, yeah doing my group fitness um, qualification as well. And physical health is just one aspect that um, we promote. We take a holistic approach to health. So usually when we run our programs, when we do face to face, we um, encourage mob to come together and we'll do a group workout. And that's why it's important that I have my group fitness qualification so I can. Um, facilitate and deliver those sessions but then also we touch on a range of different other health topics because you know um, to be completely healthy you can't just be doing physical activity you've got to take into aspects of all the other things that make you healthy such as you know like nutrition spiritual connection the country um, smoking all those things so physical as uh, physical activity is one aspect but definitely um, plays an integral part in our programs because some of the physical um, stuff that we promote is what brings community um, to our programs in the first place, like a running event and stuff like that. I actually didn't really know that you guys were more, would you say you're more programs based or, and clothing is uh, an add-on? That's how it started, yeah. So we started as just a, um, a health promotion business where we were um, delivering programs and the clothing was just kind of incentive to get people to our program. So we know that, you know, people will see a really cool shirt and if they know that they've got to come to our program to get it, they'll come. So we usually would do like that's how six week. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that's how it works, right? So it'll be like, you've got, we've got a six week program. You come to four out of six, you get this really cool singlet for free. And then we thought, well, how, you know, um, you know, how do we allow other people to have access to our clothing that can't come to our programs and maybe they can buy it and then so we then kind of had like we had spark health and then we had spark merch with our merchandise like how funny is it that like that's what our original merchandise name was <laughs> flattering so it did start off like that but then um the like the clothing kind of just got bigger and bigger and I think that's what's interesting a lot of people assume like we are a clothing brand and we're a fashion brand but we're also um we do ha and have delivered programs um and, you know, when people talk about, like, oh, what does clothing the gap, like, where does the profits go into? And it goes into that impact piece that we see where community are doing our programs or they're participating in our runs and stuff like that. So, yeah, it's kind of double whammy. It's an interesting space. Mm. It's funny because I actually remember as being a young Aboriginal child always going to – I grew up in the Northern Territory, so we had um, our health services called Congress and – I'd always want to go there because you'd get the free top. Yeah. Every time you'd get a health checkup, you'd get this like deadly little <laughs> top with all these like dot paintings and that would be the initiative to want to go. Yeah. And it, it actually works. It works with our mob because, you know, we're like, oh, sis, that's deadly. Like that looks really cool. And then this person goes to get a health checkup. Even in um Frankston, we have an Aboriginal health service now. And if you go, you get like a cool pair of tights or like an earphone set. So it's kind of smart how you guys have done that play. 
Yeah, no, absolutely. Incentives definitely are a buy-in for mob. And then I think, you know, originally they come for the incentive and they leave getting so much more out of it, which they never knew they actually signed up for. And I think that's the beauty in our programs. Like, yeah, I got a shirt, but oh my gosh, now I know, um, now I've met a sister girl that I can go to park run with and run 5Ks with, which they never signed up for, but that's what happened. <laughs> Just drag them along. You're coming with me, sis. Yeah, but absolutely. <laughs> that's what we do with our young people. I'm like, now you're in the car with me and now you're coming to camp. Like now we're doing this and now we're doing that. And they, it's like a good way of kind of introducing them to a bigger community as well. Yeah, no, it's, and you know, sometimes the hardest part is getting out the door and coming. And if they want to come for a shirt and that gets them out the door, and then our program makes them stay, then, you know, it, it works. <laughs> so you're Yorta Yorta, am I right? Yeah. So, yeah, my mob's Yorta Yorta from um, Shepparton. I'm also Gunai Kurnai, so down Gippsland Way, Bansdale. Oh, cool. Do you go up on Country March? Um, I grew up in I grew up in Shepparton or Marupna on my grandfather's country and my grandmother's from um, Gippsland, which I haven't spent a lot of time, but now that um, I'm really hoping to get there over the Christmas break and you know, see where my nan grew up and stuff like that, which I'm really excited about. Did you learn a lot from your aunties and uncles um, growing up about your mob and the land and stuff like that? Yeah, I was really lucky to, um, you know, grow up on Yorta Yorta country and have a really close relationship with um, my pop who grew up like on Cumbergundra Mission and showed me a lot about where he lived and why he lived there and what happened there. And, you know, um, just really lucky that there's a lot of really strong Yorta Yorta people that have, um, you know, continued the legacy and the history and been able to like learn alongside that in community. So I've been really lucky to feel really strong and proud in my identity because I know that's not an easy thing and a lot of people miss out on that opportunity. So I definitely feel very fortunate and lucky in that respect. We just actually had a Yorta Yorta woman, um, Carissa Nayalu, on the podcast before and she was talking about um, keeping the song lines alive and keeping culture alive and going back on country. So it's really cool. We've actually had a lot of Yorta Yorta guests. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I know. I feel like a lot of you guys. Of Gosh. There's a lot of us. I know. I get really excited when I'm like, oh, another Yorta Yorta person. But I'm like, there's so many of us out there. <laughs> It's so funny when you, um, you meet an ab- another Aboriginal person, they're like, oh, I'm from the same mob and you get so excited and you're like, we're family now. Yeah. Well, even, you know, looking at your last name, which I know is a big name in, um, in Tiwe and I just did the um, Indigenous Marathon Project with a, another girl that's got the same last name as you, so I'm like, you're probably related. Is that Celeste? No, not no, but I do know Celeste because I went to Melbourne University oh, with true. Celeste. Oh, true. What's I'm her first name? Robin, Robin Little. Oh, yep, 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 yep. Yeah. She lives yeah, in Melbourne. Just, yep. No, Robin, Robin lives in um, Alice, but Celeste lives in Melbourne. There are so many of us. There's definitely <laughs> yeah. a Robin Little in Melbourne. <laughs> yeah, no, it's a huge name. It's like Atkinson or something in Shepparton. It's yeah, massive. big name. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, thanks for coming on with us, Lena. It's been awesome to chat to you. Um, we've learned so much and I can't wait to see what you guys have in store. We're going to get our bucket hat soon. Yeah, when, when, I, was, when I was on the site the other day, um, I, did, I did sign up for the 10% discount off your first purchase. So me and Talia are just uh, figuring out how many bucket hats we want. <laughs> um, yeah, you've got to be quick. Yeah, I know. I know the rug. Well, the rugby, the rugby tops out. So I'm, I'm, I have, might have to wait till next winter to drop that, to drop that one again. But um, yeah, we certainly love the clothing and um, we love all the work that you guys are doing. And thanks so much for joining us, Lena. Oh, 
thanks for having us. And yeah, um, you know, stay tuned. And then you've got to be quick on the products. I've missed out on a few and I work there. So. <laughs> Good to know. Um, um, make sure that when you get your bucket hat, you take a picture and you send it to us because, you know, we'll love to share it and stuff. But thanks for um, having me and having a yarn. It's been really fun. And I do enjoy talking about um, Free the Flag and um, all the stuff that we get to do. And, you know, keeps me excited in my job. So thanks for having me. Oh, anytime. You're welcome. Thank you so much, Lena. Um, thanks, guys, for listening to Mob Talk. Listen in next week for some deadly people.